Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Roger Sherman at The Ringer says, Pat Fitzgerald was the greatest player and coach in Northwestern football history. Full of catchphrases and good, clean American fun, but he was taken down by a hazing scandal that had been brewing for years. The quickness of Pat Fitzgerald's downfall is the most stunning part. Fitzgerald had been the head coach in Evanston for 17 years, was settling in for another 20 or 30. This was uh, this year he was set to coach his son, Jack. Northwestern seemed to have the most secure coaching situation in college football. In 2021, Fitzgerald signed a 10-year, $57 million contract extension. It would keep him at the school through 2030. But then there was the story in the Daily Northwestern. Players were punished with gang-dry humping for on-field mistakes. Freshmen were made to perform naked drills like bear crawls and QB center exchanges. It's done under this smoke and mirror of, oh, this is team bonding, but no, this is sexual abuse, a player told the Daily Northwestern. Fitzgerald had infinitely more clout than President Schill or the athletic director, both of whom had been hired within the last two years and both of whom were second choices for their jobs. That's why the administrators tried to sneak in a two-week suspension for Fitzgerald during the only slow time on the college football calendar and hoped that no one noticed and they might have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids in Northwestern's journalism program. Nicole Marcus is the summer editor-in-chief at the Daily Northwestern. Thanks for joining us in the studio today. Thanks for having me. Um, The timeline on this is, I think, something that our audience would benefit from learning a little bit more. Uh, Maybe before I ask you about that, tell me about yourself. You are going to be a junior this fall? That's correct, yes. Where are you from originally? Miami, Florida. So you're living in Chicago over the summer to be part of the journalism program there. Yes. So your job at the Daily Northwestern is what? I'm the summer editor-in-chief, so handling, you know, all the stories that go out, our website, our social media, um, managing the entire edit board, things like that. Having said what I just said, you fully were aware yourself the gravity of what you were dealing with, right? Yeah. Did you then have any faculty or professional staff to refer to, to kick it upstairs before you all ran it? Yeah, I would say, you know, the Medill faculty as a whole has been really supportive of us. But in the case of this story, did you run it by anybody before you published it? Yeah, we have a student's publishing company, which has a board. And, um, you know, there's some people on there who advise us. But, you know, journalism as a whole um, under the Daily Northwestern is all student run. So all of that was handled by us. So you ran this story without running it by the dean of the Medill School or the president of the university? That's correct, yes. The university knew we were going to run this story because we we had reached out to them for comment. What did they say when you reached out to them? Uh, They provided comment that was in our original reporting, which was that, um, you know, they had read this report. President Schill was, you know, aware of these allegations and um, that they couldn't provide further comment at this time. Hmm. But it was your reporting and it was without any faculty intervention. That's correct, yes. Did you run it by a legal department? We did. You ran it by a lawyer, and he said you're good to publish this. Yes. To what degree did you ascertain the validity of the claim? If you get an email from a student saying, this happened to me, 
How did you ascertain that he was telling the truth? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that was one of the things that we were most focused on is trying to make sure that we were talking to who he said he was and that all of his claims we, we could corroborate because we didn't want to publish anything that could later come out that it wasn't true or that you know we didn't do our job as reporters. So first thing was making sure we were talking to who we said oh, who he said he was and you know we went through multiple corroborating steps for that. Um, we also had a second source who we talked to who, you know, confirmed all of these claims that our original source was making. So you had two people saying the same thing. That's correct, yes. I have in the back of my head, I'm not a journalist, that it's usually three is the magic number. Were you confident with two people saying the same thing that you had enough to print the story? Yeah, we had a lot of, um, you know, behind the scenes things that we couldn't publish, like pictures, videos. We also had original emails with the investigators. Videos of what? Uh, We had a video of, you know, in the article, there's reference to the Shrek clap, which is, um, you know, our original source said that that was what players used to signal that somebody needed to be ran, um, which is the hazing that would take place in the, in the locker room. And the video showed what? The video showed players making that clap. Making the clap like this? Above your head. Above your head, and that's an indication that somebody's going to get it. Correct. So you have that video. You felt confident then that this, did you have any worry that, again, what you were going to say was not going to be supported by the facts? No, we went through extreme measures to make sure that everything was corroborated. We also knew that the executive summary was published by the university in which um, they detailed that these things did happen. They didn't go into detail of what they were, but that they found hazing. It's interesting, the executive summary. Uh, Last fall, a student complained about something that happened in the football program, some sort of hazing. None of us knew anything about it. The university launches a private investigation, an independent investigation, and then after six months, we get a two-page summary from the university, which on the one hand is a little jarring, but also feels a little thin. I wanted you to walk me through the timeline of what you knew, when you knew it, and how you reported it. So we just meet Nicole Marcus, the summer editor-in-chief, a young lady from Miami, Florida, who is spending her summer in Chicago to edit the Daily Northwestern. She'll be a junior next year, and after the original summary came out from the university, your staff, your office, you got an anonymous email. Did the person sign their name saying, I was hazed at Northwestern football? Not originally, but we did take steps to corroborate his name. Corroborate who that was. So originally you didn't even know who it was. Correct. Then you followed up, found another person who said that happened. Then you discovered some video and other evidence to support the claims. So then you write this bombshell story. Who actually typed the keys? Who wrote the story? Yeah, there's a team of about four of us that were on the story. It was me and my three print managing editors, Cole, Alice, and Divya. Did you work through the night on that? We did. The timeline is interesting, isn't it? Because we find out on Friday this two-page summary that said 50 people were part of the independent investigation. Tell me if I have this right. The investigation did not uncover sufficient evidence to believe the coaching staff knew about the ongoing hazing conduct. They said that they did not find sufficient evidence to believe that the coaching staff knew about the ongoing hazing conduct. Do you have a comment on that? Yeah, I would say our sources believe that Coach Fitzgerald knew. You know, I wasn't in the room. Our sources, meaning these players you're talking to. Correct. The players said the coach knew? Yes. The report says that there's not sufficient evidence to believe that the coach did. Yeah, I think it's hard to say, you know, 
what did or did not happen or what somebody knew because we weren't in the room. But um, our sources, the players who were on this team, believe that Coach Fitzgerald knew. The report also says that there had been significant opportunities to discover and report the hazing conduct. So that sounds like mixed messages to me. We don't believe you knew, but we also believe you had significant opportunities to know. It makes one wonder if they were conveniently turning their heads. It's an accusation that you did not make in the reporting, though. How tempting was it to draw inferences that way? I think people who read the story can draw whatever inferences they want to. For us, we wanted to remain as unbiased and neutral as possible. The coach said that he did not know and maintains that to this day. In fact, he's got a powerful attorney who said as much, said that there was a verbal contract, that he would only be suspended for two day, two weeks without pay. And it sounds like Coach Fitzgerald, if not his name, wants his money. The Daily Northwestern gets an email that you guys run the story. It runs on Saturday. Um, Saturday night, the president said, maybe I erred in my judgment. Is that the timeline on that? Yes, that's correct. Presumably based on what you all are now reporting, correct? It's hard to say. Do you know how many students at that time, Saturday night, would claim to have been harassed or hazed by the football program? We don't know how many students came forward exactly to the university, but we've talked to around 10 or 11 players. So now how are you hearing from these players? Are you networking with other players or are the emails coming in? Both. Monday night, the coach gets fired. Were you surprised to discover that? You know, again, I wasn't in the room um, while this decision making was happening, so can't really tell you what happened behind the scenes, but I know that a lot of the readers who were reading this story would say that they thought he was going to be fired. I imagine your answer to this question shouldn't matter, but did you wonder or worry that your reporting would lead to this? I mean, they're talking about an $800 million stadium maybe not getting built now. Did you wonder or worry about the repercussions of your reporting? Our primary goal was to make sure that everybody who wanted to tell their story could come forward. And I think, you know, as journalists, our goal is to make sure that we're telling the truth in whatever way possible. And the consequences of that aren't up to us. Do you know if any of the students who hazed the other student athletes are being pursued or prosecuted? What's happening to the young men that actually did these things? The coach said he didn't know. The audience will decide whether or not that's true. But I wonder, do you know anything about the young men that did this? I can't speak to that, unfortunately. I presume you all are wondering or working on that? Yes, that's correct. What other storylines are you all pursuing now? I think there's a lot that comes out of this. Um, you know, obviously, we're all wondering who the next head coach of the team will be. Um, I think that's a really important storyline that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks um, and just giving the opportunity for other players to come forward if they choose to. Did when you first wrote your story, the university, now you said that the student newspaper operates independent of the faculty or staff. It's student run, you report, you print, correct? That's correct. Or load, but I mean, it goes out on the internet. Um, is there a print edition of the Daily Northwestern in the summer? Not in the summer, no, but we do put out an orientation issue for freshmen that will no come kidding. in August. But I mean, all of this just happened over the internet then. Obviously, the world took notice, I guess. They're not walking by campus and grabbing a copy of it. Uh, but the university, you told us, did not influence your reporting on this in any way. They didn't try and tamp the story down or alter it. No. Have they since? No. Have you heard from anybody on the faculty or staff since? 
The faculty as a whole has been extremely supportive and especially the Medill faculty. I would say that, you know, just having their support behind us has been really helpful to us. We all look up to them as mentors. And so we really appreciate that. They must have looked at their email or the website and gone, holy cow, look at what these students are doing and been either shocked or pleased or both. Is yeah. that the reaction you were getting? Yeah, and I think it's it's large, largely due to their help that we're able to even be in this position. Um, I think, you know, all of the Medill faculty are such great instructors and have really put us in the position to be able to handle a story of this magnitude. Nicole, what do your parents say down in Florida? <laughs> um, they're proud of me, yeah. Have you talked to them? I have. What was their reaction to all of this? I don't think they knew originally how big the story was going to be, but um, just seeing how, how much it's blown up and how many people care, they, they're really proud. Are they worried? I don't think so, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else about this story that you think we should know based on your reporting? Is there something that is being lost in the telling of this right now? No, I would, I would say just stay tuned over the next couple of weeks for whatever comes next. Do you believe the coach? I'm sorry, on, on what regard? He says he doesn't know. Yeah, I'd say it's not for me to decide whether he did or did not know. Um, you know, people can come to us and let us know what they believe, and we're happy to, you know, help those stories get told. Did you reach out to Coach Fitzgerald? We did. And he declined your overture? That's correct. You reached out, I presume, to the president, to the athletic director, to assistant coaches? Did yes. they all decline at, uh, up to this date? None of them have spoken to the Daily Northwestern? That's correct, yes. Okay. I appreciate your coming in. Um, and I appreciate the work that you've done. Thank you for having me. That's Nicole Marcus. She is the summer editor-in-chief at the Daily Northwestern. As a person who works on the periphery of journalism and with a lot of journalists, I hate to see what people make of our institution. And then you put a young lady like that on the radio and it renews your faith, doesn't it? 630 said, this guest is amazing, so intelligent and well-spoken. 773, this young reporter is very refreshing in a world that has taken the news and slanted it. 847, it's true, the buck stops at the top. If Coach Fitzgerald knew about the hazing, how was it the position coaches and coordinators didn't know? To be clear, the coach and the university said that he didn't know, but a lot of us aren't buying that. I'm, a, I'm an outlier on that. 630 said, listening to your guest is refreshing. While the media is bashed frequently for the handling of news topics, this is journalism. 847, what a magnificent interview of Nicole Marcus just now on WGN. So thorough. Uh, this is why I listen. Well, there's one for us, but it's really about our guest. 219 said, so impressed by Nicole Marcus. 630, your guest was so professional during your interview. 773, John, I don't know Nicole Marcus, but what a great job she and her team are doing. Don't you think that somewhere buttons are bursting at the Medill School this summer? I mean, it was very easy for her. Listen, here's as a talk show host, here's what I do. Someone says, do you think the coach knew? I give you my opinion. You ask her, and she goes, I don't know. I can't know. I can tell you what they said. And she probably has her own opinion about that, but it's not her place to insert it, either in the story or maybe offering it here. It's a tough needle to thread because she's a student at Northwestern. Uh, you know, football's a big, big moneymaker. There's all kinds of feathers obviously being ruffled with this information and yeah. knowing how to put it out there in a way that's not only ethical, but 
um, accurate, yeah, accurate, and everything else. That's that's hard for seasoned professionals. And here's well, she's probably not twenty one or about twenty some years. Going to be a junior, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's a young lady. Um, she's got an impressive background, but she's just a junior in college, and there she is handling it the way it's supposed to be done. I'm telling you, I'm just thinking that some of the staff or faculty at Northwestern reading the story must have had one hand over their eyes going, oh, no, what are you saying? What are you doing? You'd better get this right, kids, because they don't run it by the bosses. The students run the newspaper. Boy, you wonder if there was more faculty or staff involvement Maybe it would not have been so clear, quick, and direct. Uh, I don't want to say that. I'm not going to impugn their integrity. I'm sure they're the same sort of journalists that they want their students to be, but maybe the pressure is greater when you work for the university. If you're just a student and you're going, hey, this is what we found out, print it, send it, that's maybe the sort of distance you need from the school. And they are granted that. Wow. Um, I'm disappointed that knowing that they were talking to the students and knowing that they had the goods, that more people in authority didn't talk to the student newspaper. I wonder if that was WGN Radio or the Tribune or News Nation or the Sun-Times. I wonder if maybe the university would have been a little more transparent but they didn't talk and still haven't directly to the students, but they're not denying what they're saying either. It sounds like they got it right, and the story goes on. I appreciate your listening to that interview. If you're just joining us now and missed it, I thought she was remarkable, and we'll post that as a podcast at WGNRadio.com, at WGNRadio.com on the John Williams page. I'm just thinking again about what my friend Eric Zorn said. Pete saw it this morning, too. Roger Sherman, who himself went to Northwestern, right, and was a student reporter there, uh, now writes for The Ringer. Roger Sherman said, Pat Fitzgerald's swift downfall was years in the making. The administrators tried to sneak in a two-week suspension for Fitzgerald during the only slow time on the college football calendar and hope that no one noticed. I maintain that if they had come down with a more severe punishment right away, not this mamby-pamby two-week punishment where, okay, you don't get paid, but you're making $6 million a year. You can, you can still survive on that. But a two-week suspension during the offseason was so the punishment does not fit the crime that that made it worse. If they'd said a year you're on the sidelines or six months or something, you know, the whole staff is going, but you get to see there was a million options they had. They picked the worst course. And if they had come up with something more appropriate, maybe this thing doesn't blow up. Maybe the reaction would have been, well, okay, they learned their lesson. They got theirs. But it was the exact opposite. This only inflamed the problem. And so Sherman says administrators tried to sneak in a two-week suspension for Fitzgerald during the only slow time on the college football calendar and hope no one noticed. And they might have gotten away with it <laughs> if it weren't for those meddling kids in Northwestern's journalism program. And Eric Zorn, my friend, said, you know, that reminds me of the Scooby-Doo show where the students, the kids are always running around solving crimes and the authorities are always shaking their fist at those meddling students. And I'd have done it, too, if you kids hadn't come along. And I'd have found it if it wasn't for you snoopers. You blasted kids. 
Why didn't you mind your own business? Yes, might have gotten away with it too. If it wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. Blasted meddling kids. And it would have been mine if it hadn't been for those meddling kids. And I would have made millions if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. Meddling young fools. They've gotten away with a king's ransom. And I wish you'd have minded your own business. I guess Roger Sherman knew what he was talking about when he said meddling kids. I used to watch that show all the time. I would not have connected those dots. That's how they all ended. It always <laughs> ended that way. The mask would come off. The, monster, the swamp monster was the old man who owned the amusement park. But, but this is also a lesson in public relations. I don't know if Northwestern has a school of public relations, but you kind of wonder. They had gotten involved a little bit. That you know, it's just it's been a PR nightmare, so to speak. Oh, I think for the school, I, right? And I think, listen, we've reached out to the university president and to the coach and to the athletic director. We and and they don't they don't want to come on here either. And I, I'm not a crisis manager. I don't know what they're supposed to do before, during, or after this story breaks. But I don't think they've handled it in their best interest, right? I mean, if you're a university, if you're a company. If you're the manager of the amusement park and there's a swamp monster or whatever, I think you need to do what's in your best interest. But you also have other considerations, particularly as an institution of such public regard or trust as Northwestern, like what's best for the students, what's best for Chicagoland, what's best for, you know, all of these different factors. And it just seems to me like closing shop uh, so far, granted this story broke Friday and today's Wednesday, so maybe we'll get that interview or we, we'll get a better explanation of what happened and how it was allowed to happen. And there hasn't been much additional comment. There was the other story about allegations, I think it was three players, of a, of a racist environment. And they felt that. That really has fallen by the wayside. Yeah, and, and the young woman... Nicole, I forget her name. Nicole, you're, you're right. Who's there? Marcus. She was, uh, you know, she wrote that story too, or was one of the reporters on that one. That's an interesting point, Bob. And pardon me, I didn't pursue that angle as much because uh, there are fewer people that are talking about that. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because one of the quote-unquote racist allegations against the football program was that black players were told to cut their dreadlocks to a length shorter than the white players were allowed to have their hair. And Coach Fitzgerald is famously a buttoned-up, all-American, clean-cut kind of guy. And I don't know how to judge racism in this case. Is it wrong to ask the black players to cut their dreads? And is it the fact that they're dreadlocks, or is it the length of the hair? You know, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know how to score any of those things. Um, but I do know that if you say strip naked and run through the shower as things happen— that one's a pretty easy one to score. Again, thanks. Earlier in the show, we visited with the student summer editor of the Daily Northwestern, Nicole Marcus, and it was an interview that we were able to score in, in large part because Anna Devlantis was going to be giving a tour here at WGN Radio, both to Nicole Marcus and to several high school journalism students. So there's Anna saying, hey, I will give you all a tour of WGN Radio and show you what it's like. And the high school students are being mentored this summer in part by Nicole Marcus, who herself is a student at Northwestern. So the Northwestern kid is helping the high school kids, and Anna Devlantis is helping them all. And realizing the story was breaking and that they were going to be in the building, 
Anna kindly delivered that student to us and then stepped back and said, you two have a conversation. That's real stand-up by Anna DeVlantis' part. Uh, but I also just want to let you in a little scene behind the curtains. So after a thorough interview, I mean, I asked her the questions I hope that a lot of you wanted to have asked, like how did you know, what did you know, when did you know it, how thorough were you, what's the process at Northwestern, think of the consequences, and then tell me the truth of this story as you know it. And I thought that young lady made you feel good about America and journalism again. I think we will someday say, I heard this young lady on the radio once upon a time, and now she's the editor of the New York Times. Anyway, when we get done with the interview, all of the high school students are standing in the producer bay watching through the big glass window. And when Nicole walked through the door, they all clapped. She got an ovation. And it was the sweetest thing I've ever seen. So thank you to all of them for that. And Anna, thank you for delivering uh, what was a very interesting insight into that story.